Welcome to an In The Money Players podcast. This is the Lone Star Million Edition. We're going to be focusing on the stakes races at Lone Star Park. Our friends down in Grand Prairie have been avid supporters of the network, and we're thankful to have them on board once again. This is their big day, and it is a big day indeed with six stakes races on tap, including the five, $400,000 Steve Sexton Mile, a grade three, which will go as race number 12. Nick Tamaro here to cover this Lone Star slate of stakes races for you. Joined by my friend Blake Jesse. Blake, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well, Nick. This is a uh, excellent card we have to uh, uh, bet on today, so I'm uh, I'm pumped up for it. Me too. Without further ado, let's get right into it. It's gonna we're gonna start our focus on the stakes in race seven, the Chamberlain Bridge at five eighths on the turf. We have a pick six carryover in the six shooter of thirty three hundred and twenty four dollars. It begins right here. Blake named for the venerable twenty ten Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner and his connections. His owner, at least, is back with the one Tiz Magic, but it looks like all eyes in many ways are on the six excess Magic. Of course, there's still a little bit of uh, concern about whether he can be effective at five eights. Yeah, you know, he's definitely got it done um, going five eights uh, in the past, um, albeit with some speed in front of him. Uh, not sure how much of that speed he's going to get in front of him today. Uh, you got some, uh, what I would consider cheaper speed in the one Tiz Magic, um, who will kind of be pressed to go from the rail. Um, the four sign of war is another one that seems to do, uh, his best running out front. So they'll probably be, uh, um, all go to the front there. But, uh, the two that really stick out for me are kind of Captain Obvious, Arch of Dust, um, and the favorite six excess magic. I did give the nod to Archer Dust in here. Just the fact that um, he's going to be laying a little bit closer uh, should get first run on any of the speed if he's not uh, found himself out front early. And you know he's really shown an affinity for this uh, Lone Star Turf course, being uh, undefeated in the Exacta uh, four for four. So uh, I side with the three uh, in the favorite, uh, the six XX excess magic here. It feels like the winner comes from those two more than likely. And as you alluded to, Archer Dust has been a little bit better at Lone Star than anywhere else. as evidenced by those three summer performances from 2021. And then the big bounce back last time out when I felt like he really did all the running. He was close to the pace from the start, looked to be pulling clear, turning for home before getting run down by excess magic. I misspoke in saying his 5 eight's not quite the right trip. I, I think it I think it, it, it certainly is it's feasible for excess magic. I do think he's a little bit better with a little bit more ground, a stakes winner at a mile. He was effective last time out courtesy of a big pace, even though this is a tougher race. I don't think there's any more speed than he got in that particular event. So I think excess magic is a horse that I would probably relegate more to the second spot. And I would be using Archer dust as well. I put a little tis magic in there because I do think he has the chance to sit just behind the pace. If Iron Diego doesn't want to go up and get into a big battle in the opening stages, Iron Diego also a very underrated turf rider around these parts. Let's go to race number eight, which kicks off the pick five, of course, a 12%, 15% takeout. On the pick five at Lone Star Park, the Memorial Day Sprint is at six furlongs, goes as race number eight. Where are we starting this pick five, Blake? Yeah, you know, the uh, morning line favorite, number six, Calypso, um, is a filly that uh, Steve Asmussen just picked up in, um, in, her, in his most rec her most recent start. And uh, she came from Bob Baffert. And ever since Bob's taken his suspension, I've been uh, following a few of his horses that have gone into other trainers' hands. and. Uh, to this point, I haven't seen any of them, you know, return with the same vigor that they show for Bob. So I I'm going to be in a position to uh, try and beat Calypso here. 
And when I uh, go to the alternatives here, you, you the second choice on the morning line, our Iris Rose number five, I, I'm not exactly, uh, you know, I, I don't think she's as fast as she looks really on paper early. Uh, she's never really set any crazy fast fractions, even though you're going to see a lot of ones on her PPs. Um, I, I don't think she's really fast enough to get the lead in here. I, I'm thinking that the one horse, Becca's Rocket, um, you know, is a horse that, uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, has any speed, but they're putting blinkers on today, um, has a little bit of class to it. I, I think this one has a chance to get a good, uh, you know, good stalking trip. Uh, Leslie had a big day yesterday, so uh, I feel like he's, uh, uh, you know, hitting all the right buttons right now. So I got uh, Becca's Rocket as an A, and the other horse I'm going to use as an A is Skinny Dip. This is the one that I think will have a, um, you know, a chance to get loose and, uh, you know, potentially take them wire to wire. So uh, I'll go with one and four as A's in here and back up with a little bit with our Iris Rose to five. I think it makes a lot of sense. You you mentioned that Skinny Dip might be a bit better on wet tracks. And uh, the, I'll admit this is the second time we're taping this podcast because of a technical error. You may have said it first time around. It does feel that way, but the pace advantage probably makes up for what might be a bit more of an affinity for wet surfaces. And I, I would also argue it with that which i think you're kind of saying as well her fast track races are good enough as well the big difference between the philly that she was with uh, greg foley last year and what she was with ben colbert because she just had a lot more speed and, and i think that comes in really handy here she'd be my top pick along with becca's rocket as well i'd probably relegate our iris rose and calypso to backups in a race where i think you might be able to inject a little bit of value into the sequence Let's go on to race number nine, which kicks off the pick four. It is the Spitestown Sprint, a six furlong event on the main track. Spitestown, of course, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Sprint when it was run at Lone Star in 2004. This is an interesting race, Blake, uh, for many reasons, one of which is that I feel like there's kind of a dearth of speed for the quality of the horses in here. Where did you land? Yeah, you know, it's it, the morning line favorite in uh, number seven, Mr. Moneybags. Or excuse me, he's second uh, choice on the morning line. Um, I think he's going to attract a lot of money, but I, uh, you know, we talked about this on the first go around taping and, you know, he, he was in a match race in his last race and was beaten, you know, it was uh, one to nine. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, different dynamics in a uh, match race compared to a, a field of eight, but um, I, I'm just inclined to try to beat Mr. Moneybags here. I, I feel like he's on his way out, maybe uh, getting a little long in the tooth. Uh, with that being said, you know, I landed on number nine pain in here. Um, you know, he, he came off a layoff last start uh, for Kyle Kamori, uh, you know, ran a real good figure, a 90 buyer, was beat by a horse uh, in Awesome Jerry that day. And I wasn't sure, you know, what to make of that. But Awesome Jerry came back yesterday at Churchill and put in another, you know, phenomenal effort winning uh, and doing everything the right way. So uh, what really... Uh, you know, gave me the confidence and pain here is uh, since that last start, he's gone back to the work tab and put in a, a bullet fast of 45, 46 and four, followed up by another bullet, 47 flat fastest of 39 over the Keeneland surface. So it just, it, it really is sending the signals to me that this one's, uh, you know, feeling its oats and, uh, you know, really uh, uh, on edge, ready to go. So uh, I go with nine as my uh, A in here. A couple of others that uh, interest me, um, you know, Steve Asmussen has two runners in here, the one and the four, and he gives um, his, uh, you know, go-to Texas jockey and Stuart Elliott the call on the one. And, you know, Boulder has some dirt races that are, you know, hidden down on the bottom of his page that 
would definitely fit in here. The problem is, is it's been a year and a half since he's, you know, shown anything that would, uh, you know, work in here to, to be able to win against this bunch. But that being said, it, it is coming off a layoff and, you know, he gives the call to Stewart. So it makes me wonder if this one's feeling good. I'm going to use Boulder just defensively and I'll use the other Asmussen, uh, Macron, um, you know, it's hard to know if this one's ready for the stakes caliber, but, uh, you know, he's been knocking off his allowance rivals. So, uh, give him a shot. And, you know, the other horse that I think has the ability to show up with a race, um, to win, uh, a heat like this is the two empire of gold. It's been a while since, uh, you know, he's shown his best stuff, but man, he, he was really good, uh, you know, about 18, you know, 12, 18 months ago. So, uh, if he can get back uh, to himself, you know, more so the speed that he used to show, I think he's got a, uh, a chance in the outcome as well. But uh, I, I'm going to go with the nine here as my uh, A pain. Yeah, interesting. I, I kind of wanted to, to take on pain at, uh, at the odds of five to two, figuring he's going to have a lot to do. His lone sprint win in the last 12 months or so came with a huge pace set up at Tampa. I just don't think he's going to get that much pace to run at in here. But I, I respect him and, and understand all the things that you brought up, including the quality of that Keeneland field. Boldor is a horse who I thought was really interesting, having faced some uh, what I thought was much tougher competition at Oakland throughout the winter. And ultimately, he might be a better horse on the turf. But the fact that Asmussen is giving him one more try on the dirt, I think is encouraging. And he actually ran a better race last time out than it looks on paper. The likes of Mojo Man and Top Gunner would be heavy favorites in here. He didn't break that well. Ended up rushing up to chase the pace before he tired late. I think that's a that's an, a race you can upgrade a bit. And I think he's going to get a pretty good trip from the inside. So look for him to kind of stalk and pounce. Empire of Gold is a horse who I've had an affinity for since he broke his maiden at three at uh, Sam Houston back in 2020. Some will remember that he turned for home with the lead in the Breeders' Cup Sprint in 2020 before ending up fourth. That was right after a second-place finish in the Phoenix earlier that year at Keeneland. He's a horse with a lot of quality. Things have just not gone right the last couple times. And, of course, two starts ago in the Count Fleet Sprint, you can chalk that up to having to face Jack his warrior and having to keep him company on the front end. I think if he's able to get loose in here, which is really a stronger possibility than it might seem, his chances improve exponentially. Because like you, I am a little concerned that Mr. Moneybags might be on the way out. I didn't love his couple of races at Sam Houston and then losing to Algebra in a match race. I understand he was at a pace disadvantage. Algebra did come back and win a, a, a non-conditioned allowance for Texas Reds on Friday night, but still that was a race that Mr. Moneybags was supposed to win, and so I am concerned that he might be headed in the wrong direction. Another horse I wanted to mention was the six. It makes sense. I had a front row seat for Sean Davis's barn doing very well at Sam Houston throughout the winter, and this son of Majestic Warrior put it all together to get a win last time out in a prep for this race. He's not going to be the 11-1 to 1 he was that night, so it's a little you know, a little annoying to have to take him at a shorter price, but he is a horse coming in in very strong form in what looks like a very, very competitive event, perhaps the most competitive race in the sequence, and that leads us into the Ouija board distaff, which, Blake, is the least competitive race in the sequence. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. And, you know, something worth mentioning, Nick, about these stakes races is, um, you know, the horses in Texas, you know, are allowed to run on Lasix uh, for these stakes races. And um, you, that, you know, that puts me on number nine Park Avenue here. And, you know, it feels like Sadler is looking for spots that he can run this uh, filly on Lasix. Uh, she seems to be doing her better running on it. 
Uh, and what I really like about her in this spot is that, you know, she's seems to have them over the barrel from a pace uh, point of view. And if something crazy does happen where somebody wants to go early, say Island Hideaway wants to run away, um, Park Avenue has the ability to sit and stalk and, uh, you know, compose herself to come with a run. So it's not like she's one dimensional. So it just feels like a lot of, uh, uh, you know, extreme intent here by Sadler finding this spot, uh, getting a good draw. Uh, Victor coming in town to ride. So I, I just, uh, I, I think it's going to take an awful lot of beating here. Uh, number nine park Avenue. And if, if anything were to, uh, you know, upset her, it would have to be the seven Avenue de France for, uh, Florent Drew and Leonard Powell. So, um, it just feels like a, you know, a stone cold nine, seven in here. Yeah, I saw it the same way. I don't really see what else could possibly happen that uh, was, it would be unforeseen, right? It, it would just not right. not be what looks like it's going to develop on paper. There's a couple of local horses that have run respectably on the turf. They just don't look like they're nearly good enough, and Park Avenue possesses this massive pace advantage that I think she will use to wire this field in what is a pretty simple leg in the sequence. Let's go to the Texas Derby race number 11, the $300,000 event at a mile and a 16th, and we see plenty of Derby Trail alums in this field. Uh, in fact, basically six of the runners competed in some type of, of event on the road to the Kentucky Derby, um, including the morning line favorite number eight, AP Secret. Where did you go here in the Texas Derby? Blake? First off, this is a great uh, edition of the Texas Derby. Um, you know, I landed on the one horse strike hard and I love that, um, you know, the, the last race, the horse, uh, you know, was supposed to win was eight to five, but the way he did it was, uh, you know, was superb. And what I really like is, you know, since that last start, they've gone back to the work tab and the horse, I mean, to work 58 and three, um, you have to be feeling really good. And to do it two weeks out of a race, uh, you know, shows you've come out of the race and uh, in good order and you're feeling really well. So they've shipped in for this and uh, I'm getting all the right signals and uh, I like Jose Alvarez in the irons here. So I'm going to give the one strike hard a uh, an A look in here. You know, the others that interest me from a backup perspective, um, you know, you got to look at the seven cover me up for Richie Baltus. Has a pace edge in here. Um, you know, it's going to be awfully close to this. There's not a lot of pace in here to speak of. So um, I think cover me up, uh, you know, could have a say in this. Uh, the other horse that uh, gives me a little bit of interest in here, just from a price perspective, I don't know if we're going to get actually 15 to one on this, but is the maiden King Ottoman. Um, you know, Asmussen must, you know, think a little bit of this horse uh, to be putting him in this spot uh, as a maiden and uh, has the progressive buyer speed figures going. So uh, just one more step forward and perhaps this guy can uh, break his maiden. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see him in there as a maiden, but I, I agree that I think it shows that uh, he does believe this one has a little bit of quality. And of course, the 87 buyer speed figure last time that you mentioned puts him in the realm, right? It, it, he's not far mm -hmm. off. And that was, a, that was a decent looking field in the opener on Kentucky Derby Day. He probably didn't get a ton of pace to run out in there either. And is more of a horse who I think will benefit from not only two turns, but, uh, but distance and likely a little bit of tempo in front of him. 
I thought the seven and eight were the main two in here. I'm kind of Captain Obvious with Cover Me Up and AP Secret. Cover Me Up finished a good second and a loaded one other than on the Derby undercard that was won by Creative Minister, who of course came back to run third in the Preakness. Uh, Money Supply, who was third, I know is pretty highly regarded by his connections and save a poor performance where he didn't get the lead chasing wide on a on a gold rail track at Santa Anita in March. This uh, this guy's run well in, in basically five straight races. And so I, I think... He's very, very dangerous on the front end with Laurent Giroux. AP Secret was a good fourth in the Wood Memorial. Obviously, that's a race where uh, early voting came out up to win the Preakness, so the form's been kind of frank there. And he gets a good stalking trip on the outside, in my opinion. That makes him very dangerous. Was bested by Strike Hard earlier in his career. My worry with Strike Hard, and this is a horse who I bet in Sam F. Davis, and actually included a little bit the Florida Derby as well, is that he might just be a little bit better around one turn. And we'll see. That'll play out today. Uh, we'll see if he runs back to his last effort. Does look like a three-year-old that's progressing, though, with each passing start, and that is always of great significance. One more to go on this Lone Star Million Day card. It is the Steve Sexton Mile at one mile on the main track. I can tell you that number five, Elector, is scratched, having participated in Sunday's Triple Bend. I don't think that that will have a terribly huge effect on the pace, Blake, because there's still plenty of speed. Yeah, um, you know, it's I'm not sure which one of these will set the pace. It, it, you know, it would appear that Mish, the six, should set the pace. Um, you know, Shaz is another one that is going to be forwardly placed. And, you know, the nine, Flash of Mischief, is another one that's really, uh, you know, shown his best running out front. So it really does feel like there's going to be a hot pace in here. And, you know, that has me gravitating to the one rated R superstar who, um, you know, kept some really good form at Oaklawn running through their uh, um, older handicap division stake series they have. And I just feel like this one, um, you know, knowing that we think there's going to be a hot pace, this one just seems like it's going to be setting a cozy, uh, you know, closing trip, you know, just hugging the rail, turning for home and, uh, you know, just try to find the seam and uh, pick up as many of them as possible. Uh, you know, the others that... Uh, Give me a little bit of intrigue is the seven popular kid, you know, 15 to one morning line. I'm not sure if we'll actually get that horse is actually two for two in the exact Lone Star uh, has a similar running style, not a deep closer, but, uh, you know, has a good stocking capability. So those are the two that uh, give me the most interest. And, you know, we alluded to this on the first uh, taping, but the other horse that I'll uh, just, you know, throw in as a uh, as a backup here is the four Sheriff Brown. Uh, this one really is a deep looping closer and if it falls apart, uh, this one has a shot to, uh, you know, run them all down. So, uh, Sheriff Brown is a backup, but rated R superstar, uh, will be my, uh, a pick, uh, followed by popular kid. Yeah, we you said we mentioned Sheriff Brown first time around, and I, I think the public is going to really fall hard for Rated R Superstar, and there's really no point in going hog wild for Rated R Superstar and not include a healthy dose of Sheriff Brown, in my opinion, as they each stand to benefit from what should be a pretty strong pace setup in a Steve Sexton mile that uh, has no shortage of speed, without question, at least three potential front runners on paper. It's, it's a good, eclectic group coming together, including some of those veterans that you mentioned, like Rated R Superstar and the six-year-old Sheriff Brown, as well as the upstart Chaz and the Florida Invader Mish, who we've seen run very, very well in recent starts. Pretty fun afternoon, Blake. I'm sure you're greatly looking forward to diving into the pick six, pick five, pick anything. Oh, absolutely. This is a great card. And um, I'm, you know, I, I mentioned in the previous episode that 
the uh, last two uh, renditions of uh, you know Steve Sex and Mild Day has not been uh, very good. So it's it's nice to see this turnout and uh, uh, a lot of meat on the bone here. So great day of racing. Yeah, the weather's absolutely beautiful in Dallas. It's uh, moderate temperature-wise with a breeze and no rain in the forecast. So none of the worries that we had in 2021. We'll see if maybe – well, there won't be a Met Mile winner in this race as it's been moved on the calendar away from uh, closer to the Belmont. But it is still a race that has yielded some pretty strong performances in the past. That is it for our Lone Star Million podcast. Big thanks to Blake Jesse, a friend of the network, of course, as he has done yeoman's work for us for years, handicapping and passing out winners to all of you. And a big thank you to our friends at Lone Star Park for their continued sponsorship. Until next time, best of luck.